The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. got myself caught up in all sorts of other random affairs this morning, largely related to my own fantasy team. So you guys got your show pushed back about a half an hour. Sorry. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you all. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and in an effort to really speed things along, we are going to have what I call shortened promo day. I'm not going to do the full 60 seconds on our various partners, so uh, stay tuned for that. I will be telling you more about ExpressVPN because I got one thing confirmed on ExpressVPN uh, from our buddy David Williams of Hoopball Grizzlies fame on Twitter related to how VPNs work with various uh, sports streaming services. So that's kind of a cool thing we'll throw in to that uh, normal ad read. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to give me a follow on Twitter, I would certainly... Ask kindly that you do, and while I'm asking you of things, please do drop a five-star review on the podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. That continues to help us. Our target is 635, and I got a contest for you related to ratings and reviews. I'll tell you about that later in the show as well, but I want to launch right into things here. Um, oh, by the way, this is a hoop ball presentation. I think I mentioned that, but uh, you can go to hoop-ball.com for more information over there. Quickly here, let's go through the Tuesday results. There were a couple of games where interesting things happened, and then there were a handful that were basically a wash, and what I'll do on today's show to keep things moving along, my target, by the way, is a 35-minute podcast today. I talk a lot, so we'll see. Atlanta at Cleveland, John Collins got his bell rung, which, by the way, didn't know this. That's actually an official medical term. My wife is a neurologist, and she was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. So John Collins got his bell rung. He's in concussion protocol now. He did not return, played 13 and a half minutes. I think it happened early in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And there wasn't an obvious winner in this one. Gallo probably played an extra two or three minutes. Solomon Hill played 22 minutes instead of his normal very few. Tony Snell was actually filling in for Cam Reddish in this ball game. He was also out. And, um, you know, Snell did better than a normal Tony Snell. We've joked about it before. A Snell is when you play 30 minutes and get zeros in every single statistical category. He is the lowest usage player on the face of the earth. But he was sort of forced to do something, because this was Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and a band of whack jobs here. Uh, Rajon Rondo played 14 minutes off the bench. I'm sorry, Clint Capella deserves better than that. He had 12 and 16. He's been good. Gallo's been a mess. And I'm starting to wonder if Gallo might be a drop. This would be... It'd be a massive surprise, really. Because the, the opportunity is right there in front of him. Especially now with everybody out. You can't drop him with John Collins going down. But boy, Gallo has looked really awful this year. And he's got himself a bag of cash coming to play this poorly. And I don't think we can blame it on conditioning anymore. He's just not playing well. And the Cavs finally won a ball game here. This is a really bad loss for Atlanta. Jared Allen was good. Uh, Dylan Windler played well for the Cavaliers, but only 22 minutes, so no, not buying in on that. I've had a lot of questions on Isaac Okoro. He looks pretty good. Solid young basketball player, but his job is very much in jeopardy. Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love 
are going to be coming back and going to be taking all of those small forward and power forward minutes that don't go to Okoro or uh, Chetty Osman. We've seen they'll play Nance. They'll play Nance at small forward a few minutes here and there. So I'm not buying in on it, unfortunately. I like Okoro. He looks pretty good. Nice sort of uh, filling in around the edges type of guy here. The Cavs finally hit some three-pointers. Windler had five. Looks like they're encouraging Colin Sexton to take more threes. That would be a big deal because he's been slipping after a very hot start to the year. What are we talking about on this show? We talk about pickups and drops, and there aren't any here. So, yeah. Um, if Kevin Love got dropped, you can probably grab him. He's probably not that far away. Larry Nance likely, I would think, on the other side of the All-Star break. I don't know. We'll, we'll do some deep dive on, on that. Maybe on... Mm, first thing next week. First thing next week. We'll dive into some of the injured stuff. Detroit in Orlando. The Pistons got their revenge. Sadiq Bey, another quietly solid ball game. 10-8 and eight with three steals. Absolutely, you'll take that. Mason Plumley, good again. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. actually played pretty well in his 18 minutes, but he got outplayed by Saban Lee for the second game in a row at 29 minutes and scored 21 points on only 11 shots. Saban Lee is going to be flying off of waiver wires, but you know who's going to be flying back onto them probably in the next couple of days? Uh, Saban Lee. Which, you know, I I like what he did here, but teams are going to get the scouting report. They'll figure him out. That's the way it always works. And he and Dennis Smith Jr. are locked into a very ugly timeshare while DeLon Wright is out. Probably just want to wait that one through. Josh Jackson... Just chucking away, 18-7, and seven, two blocks, did have two blocks, made his free throws, so that was something. He is hard-capped by his limited fantasy game. Terrence Ross got cold again in this one, but he did a bunch of other stuff, so that's cool, and he'll probably will here, at least in the short term. Al Aminu, up to 21 minutes in this ball game. I don't know what's going to come of that, and I, I'll mention him you know, once every other day on this podcast. If he gets into the high 20s, then he's worth a look. He's such a slow producer in fantasy that you can't, you sort of can't jump on him early. I mean, he took three shots in 21 minutes of this ballgame, but he'll rebound a bit. He gets steals, blocks, he'll hit some threes. He's, you know, like an upgraded version of Danny Green because he rebounds. Doesn't hit as many three-pointers, I suppose. But he's 3-and-D guy, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a use for that in probably more so in Roto Leagues than other stuff. Michael Carter-Williams played better, 11-6-5 with a block and a three-pointer. Would love to see some steals, but the points, rebounds, assists, defensive stats is sort of the target there, and this was definitely a useful line in in most formats, really. Uh, better, he remains better a better points league target because of the percentages stuff, and this is not a you-gotta-go-race-out-and-pick-him-up thing. This is his job here, probably for the year. I know they lost this ballgame, but they've been generally better with him playing their their point guard minutes. So just continue to keep an eye on it. He'll bounce on and off of teams here in the, in the short term, and he's probably in streamer category right now. Warriors beat the Knicks 114-106. Steph, another big ballgame, 37-6-6, two steals and seven three-pointers. Here's your bi-weekly update on Steph Curry. He's number four. On a per-game basis in fantasy leagues right now, he's played 31 ball games, so he's actually number two by totals, way behind the runaway number one. That's Nikola Jokic right now. There's just there's not anyone even in his ballpark. But Steph is looking like a very good 
top five pick if that's where you got him. He's averaging 30 points and five three-pointers a game. I think he's just behind Bradley Beal, second in the league in scoring right now, leads the league in threes. C.J. McCollum was right there with him before that injury. You got the six assists. The steals have kind of trended back up. The percentages are very good. Nothing not to like about Steph's season so far. He's having just the one we wanted. Draymond Green slid back down to power forward, but because uh, Kevon Looney and James Wiseman combined for 35 minutes in this ballgame, that did still give Dre about a dozen minutes at center. And that's useful for him. He's found his fantasy game this year. He's back to orchestrating the offense. I think he's just happier when he's in that role. And then the steals, the blocks, the rebounds, all that stuff comes of his enjoyment and aggression. So good for Draymond. He looked looked completely lost and out of it when he came back earlier this year. I don't care about James Wiseman. Uh, You know, this is probably what you're looking at. He's going to be playing 15 to 20 minutes, and that's not enough. Julius Randle got punted late in this ballgame. Draymond, it did his, like, I know Julius still had a pretty good game stats-wise, but you kind of knew just looking at it that Draymond was going to give him fits. Derek Rose had his wake-up game 27 minutes. I think you got to go grab him in, frankly, a lot of places. Uh, 16 points, 8 assists, 4 boards, 2 threes, a steal, and a block is a really good fantasy line. And I know that this is not a... Not something he can repeat on a nightly basis. I don't think they even really want him having to do this much on a nightly basis. But I also think that there is there is still this plan. Tom Thibodeau, I think, wants to get him up over 25 minutes of ballgame, or at least two 25 minutes. And slowly but surely, you see the guy who understands the game a little bit better, who's just, frankly, a little bit of a better basketball player, he's starting to grab a hold of that second unit. Little by little. He had a couple of very cold shooting games and got yanked kind of quickly. But if his shot isn't completely broken, and it looks like he's forcing himself into more three-pointers here, he's he's a great orchestrator in that second unit. I don't know. I, I think Derrick Rose is a guy you got to add. I don't... Uh, I don't think he's too heavily rostered. Where is he at? 54%. So he's probably available in a couple of spots, I would think. Pause the show. Go get him in a place where you don't have to drop anybody of, of massive value. Nerlens Noel. Um, would have liked to see more minutes here. Tosh Gibson kind of outplayed him. And then, you know, Tibbs doing Tibbs stuff. He went to the old man. But Noel at least at 8-5 and five with a steal in three blocks. Anytime you get four defensive stats and other stuff is okay, you take it. You take it. No other real notes from this ballgame. Alfred Payton got most of the point guard minutes, but his fantasy game is super whack. And uh, Emmanuel quickly got marginalized. Drop him. Drop Burks. You know the you know the drill at this point. Philly, Toronto. Uh, no Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz filled in with a... Uh, Really big ball game, actually. A surprisingly large ball game. Um, you're not doing anything there. Danny Green's been actually looking pretty good lately. I don't know if he's going to keep that up, but worth monitoring. He's The steals and the threes have been coming around. You know he runs in spurts, but he wasn't even hot in this ball game. I just liked that he got nine shots up. And part of it is probably because Joel Embiid is playing. I don't know if he's hurt 
or this is just sort of the lull in the middle of an NBA season, but he's been super whack these last two ball games. It hadn't hurt him all that much. Um, Embiid still having an, an all-world fantasy campaign. He's number two on a per-game basis, even after a couple of weak games against Toronto. But these are sort of weird. Toronto side, same old story. Kyle Lowry sat this one out. It sounds like he's back tonight. So giving him one extra game of rest on the back-to-back. And they uh, they lost this one to Philadelphia. So maybe they could have used him there. Boston losing a tight one to Dallas. Luka nearly triple-doubled in a solid performance. Jalen Brunson's been rolling here. We did a whole segment on him on yesterday's podcast, and then he came rolling back out with 22 points and five threes. He doesn't get any defensive stats ever, but he's doing far more than enough in other categories right now to where he should be on fantasy rosters. He's just been really good. Percentages have been... Terrific for him. And it's it's lately. It's a what have you done for me lately kind of thing. Last two weeks, he's number 88 on 17, 4, and 4. And you're like, wow, 17, 4, and 4. 54% from the field, 87 at the free throw line, 2.23 pointers. How is that guy not inside the top 85? Well, I'll tell you. He has a combined .2 steals and blocks over those weeks. He doesn't get any defensive stats. So if you have a team that's, say, overloaded in defensive stats, and a lot of hoop ball teams do because of the guys we target, like Nerland's Noels and uh, and Robert Covington's and such. You can probably squeeze a guy like Brunson in, and he makes a lot of sense on your roster because those limitations aren't as big of a deal. You don't have to be punting them. You just need to be relatively strong in them anyway because those stats are so hard to find. You get a couple of guys that can rack them up and then you can afford to roster a Jalen Brunson. So grab him if you can. If your team is weak in in defensive stats right now, I don't think that you can afford to go Brunson unless you just decide you want to lean into a punt build, but I wouldn't recommend it. But he's playing really well. You know, four boards, four assists over that stretch. That's that's pretty good. Uh, The scoring, the percentages, they're all great. I have no qualms. I have no qualms. He's just, he's shooting the lights out. Can it last, I guess, is another reasonable question on Brunson. He's, he's a 47-48% field goal guy for his career. So it's not completely unreasonable to think that he took a step forward. This is only his third NBA season. Maybe he just went from 47 to 50. He doesn't take a ton of three-pointers, at least compared to the way a lot of guards are handling their NBA season. He's a good free-throw shooter. I think we can probably just accept that that's a thing and he doesn't get any defensive stats that's also a thing at this point that's also probably not changing James Johnson got a fill-in start here with no Porzingis and no Maxi Kleba thought we'd see more Willie Cauley-Stein we didn't thought we'd see more Dwight Powell we didn't it's why you just don't take chances with the Dallas front court because Rick Carlisle is not predictable Meanwhile, on the Boston side, the guards had the big ball games here. Brown, Tatum, and Walker. Kemba is sitting out there back-to-back tonight, uh, which probably creates more room for centers. Again, every time one guy sits out on the Celtics, they just get a little bit bigger. By the way, we don't have a timetable on Marcus Smart, so that kind of sucks. Maybe on the other side of the All-Star break? I don't know. 
Robert Williams was a guy that everybody was watching in this game, and he had an atrocious performance. Four boards, three, uh, excuse me, four points, three rebounds, one block, two of three shooting, O of two free throws. That's rough. And that, unfortunately, is how it might go with the Time Lord, who was sitting in that 75 to 80 range, and one bad game dropped him to 94 on a per-game basis on the year. If you rolled the dice here... He killed you. And I, I get it. Like, that's you're going to get that from dudes that are ranked in the 80 to 130 range. They're not going to be good every ball game. But we've seen this before, where if he makes a few defensive mistakes, they just yank him. And he makes them almost on a nightly basis. Daniel Tice wasn't very good in this game either. I can't fully explain that one. Got his 26 minutes, but only two points, three boards. Did have a steal and two blocks, so at least that wasn't a mess. But also missed his two free throws. Big men had a unpleasant set last night in Boston. Uh, I'm seeing Daniel Tice getting dropped in some spots, which is very surprising, given he's 124 on the year, and that includes that sort of slow ramp-up over the last... Well, I mean, the free throw shooting has put a a pretty big dent into it, but he's actually been uh, quite good other than really this ball game. You know, he played 20 minutes in that loss in Washington. That's where he hurt himself. That was, uh, I think it was a hand injury, right? Busted finger, then he sat two out. So there are a couple games blended in with him where he got injured partway through the ball game. I think it may have happened against the Clippers back on the beginning of the month also. If you yank those two games out, he's been he's been great. Let me give you the lines from the games where he didn't get pulled midway due to injury. Uh, over the team's last 10 games, he's played in... Uh, what is that? Nope. Excuse me. That's the team's last 11 games. He's sat out two completely, and he's been pulled partway in two additional games. So the seven games where he's actually played without getting hurt, February 7th at Phoenix, 12-6 with a block and two threes. Two days later in Utah, 15-4, a block, five three-pointers. Toronto at home, 8-5-3, two steals, four blocks. Detroit, 31 minutes, 11-9, a steal and a block and an assist. Skipping over the game where he got hurt. Atlanta, when he came back, 14-8-4, steal, three blocks. New Orleans, the giant Pels, five and six, an assist, one steal, three blocks, and then this and a three-pointer. And this last ball game was really the tanker, two and three with a steal and two blocks. To me, he's a must-roster guy. He's number ninety-four by totals on the year. This is again including missed games and slow ramp-up. And his recent numbers, if you're looking at the last week, last two weeks, are clouded by the fact that he missed those two games and then missed his only two free throws since coming back. He's a mid-70s free-throw shooter overall, 74% for his career, and it's pretty consistently so. 65 this season, but that probably levels off. Last year, 79, 76, excuse me, 76 last year, 74 the year before that, 75 the year before that. So that number's coming around. Field goal percent, mid-50s, respectable. He's up near a three-pointer this year, which is great. If he plays 27, 28 minutes a game, which is where he's been hovering lately, he's over a block a night. He's at probably around 0.7 steals 
in that realm. So you're looking at a guy who's close to two defensive stats, close to two assists, close to seven probably rebounds if he's playing that many minutes. Points is, it fluctuates. I think you'd probably put him in the nine to ten range, so that's not great. But the, the rest of the numbers that I just rattled off to you, call it nine points, seven boards, two assists, .7 steals, 1.3 blocks on decent percentages. That's a guy who's inside the top 90. Not a guy who should be getting dropped. And I have seen it. And I'm really upset because I missed the boat on Tice. In fact, I didn't miss the boat. I got on the boat and then got back off the boat earlier this year. As you guys recall from this podcast, I said, hey, you know, like Tice is ramping up. I wonder if it was all conditioning stuff. It's looking more and more like it was conditioning stuff. He's their main dude. Now, one thing to consider, what happens when Marcus Smart comes back? And that pushes all the centers back into the same bucket. So this is not a world-changing pickup if you get yourself a Daniel Tice. There's a chance that all three centers turn into nothing when the Celtics have their four main dudes back in the mix. But let's keep moving here. Sacramento in Brooklyn. This one uh, right on the line, really. Game opened at 8. Finished at nine here. Uh, line moved down, so the Nets covered the closing line. James Harden triple doubled. Joe Harris at 18 points, five more three pointers. God, I love the efficiency there. Kyrie, a weird off shooting game, but still did more than enough and other stuff. And Bruce Brown went bananas 29 points, four boards, two assists, a steal, two three pointers. 85% from the field. Holy crap. Five for five from the free throw line. And I think he's a guy you can stream as long as Jeff Green and Kevin Durant are both out. I think I'd probably yank him if those two guys, or either one of those two guys comes back, but I don't think KD's all that close. Jeff Green is a maybe. Sacramento got all their guys back. Harrison Barnes returned, played 37 minutes immediately, and looked pretty good. 18 points, only three boards. That's something I hope would improve in the next one. Uh, Rashawn and Bagley ended up with most of the rebounds in that ballgame. But uh, Barnes having a really good year. Percentages have been terrific for him this season. Sacramento shot 52% and lost by 9 because they couldn't get to the free throw line and uh, committed 7 more turnovers than did the Nets. You take away about 2, 3 of those turnovers. Kings hit a shot, maybe 2 more. Not only do they cover, but they make it a hell of a ball game. And they did. And that's pulled away late because James Harden was... Too tough to stop when the game slowed down. This game looked like it was going to be first team to, you know, 150 wins, and then fourth quarter really chunked along. DeAndre Jordan uh, missed a bunch of free throws, which that hurts, but he's a great stream while KD and Jeff Green are out also. Over on that Kings side, you can pretty much punt on everybody that wasn't among your initial set. We're seeing more Marvin Bagley lately. Is that good for Bagley? Uh, that I don't know. He's another guy who's way over-rostered in fantasy. He's uh, 76% rostered on Yahoo, and he's number 249. Over the last month, 223. He's actually been better lately because Rashawn Holmes and Barnes were out, so he just got a, a whole bunch of usage, and his field goal percent wasn't as terrible. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not a guy that, fantasy-wise, you're, you're trusting here in the long term. Minnesota at Milwaukee. The Wolves had a new coach, and the result didn't change all that much. Anthony Edwards has gone into a little bit of a rookie slump here. When he, I would bench him but not drop him because when he busts out of it, it's going to be full force. Ricky Rubio 
foul trouble in this ballgame, or we would have probably seen more of him. And that, honestly, that might have been part of why this game started to slip away. This was close until, like, right before halftime. Bucks went on a big run last few minutes of the second quarter, and it never got close again. Bobby Portis loves them blowouts. Somehow he's maintained fantasy value all season long, and I, I guess I have to start believing it. Otherwise, no news really on the Bucks side. They didn't have to play very many minutes. Portland, they hung in there. Give them credit. Tough, tough game in altitude on the back-to-back. They hung in there largely because Derek Jones Jr. was excellent. So was Carmelo Anthony in this game. They kept him in it. Uh, when Dame's shots weren't dropping and uh, Gary Trent had a little bit of trouble, although his, his final line was all right. Cantor looked good. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., I think, is a guy that needs to be rostered in nine-cat leagues right now. He's been playing very well over the last, eh, call it four or five games here. More blocks. He's racking up blocks lately. He actually had a couple of three balls while going seven for nine. I, you know, I, again, I don't know what happens when C.J. McCollum comes back. This could completely fall apart on him. Derek Jones Jr., by the way, over the last month now is number 127, which makes him a startable guy in unlimited games formats. And 107, the last two weeks, kind of pulled down by free throw percent. And top top 40 over the last week, shooting 70%, 13, 6.5, a steal and 2.5 blocks of ballgame almost. He's been, he's been stellar. He is wildly under Like, this is a thing that, that boggles my mind. Marvin Bagley being 73% rostered and Derek Jones Jr. 21% rostered. Stude needs to be on, I get it, like if you're streaming, he's a slot that you could sort of bounce on and off because they don't have another game for a couple of days. I think they only have one the rest of this week. So Portland kind of shot their shot at the beginning of the week. They had they played Monday, Tuesday, and then they have one more over the next five days, which, you know, that's good. They're a tired team. They need a break. They'd rattle off a bunch of wins, and then they lost three games in a row probably you can pin some of that on fatigue but without cj mccollum he's the main piece here and nurk isn't even remotely close like at least mccollum probably is two to three weeks away i would guess nurk who knows because there's going to be a, a a process here um yeah he's probably not someone that got dropped in your leagues that's not really what i'm talking about but just kind of thinking about where the minutes and touches go Man, it's Cantor taking nine shots. Nurk would take more than nine shots in 38 minutes on the floor, but it's not as though center minutes are readily available right now. Cantor is just, he's got most of them, if not all of them. So for Derek Jones Jr., the key lately hasn't really been a massive uptick in usage. It just seems like he finally got healthy and comfortable. So he is another guy who, in my estimation, is vastly under-rostered. And I don't... I, like, I, he should be started at this point. His, his last few games have been terrific. He has nine blocks in his last four ball games. He's shooting really well. He has five threes in those games. He's rebounding. But this is a guy that should be in fantasy, uh, on, on rosters and going. Unless you're punting... I guess blocks? I don't know, man. That's a weird one. On the Denver side, Facundo Campazzo and Monty Morris were the two streaming options we were keeping an eye on. 
And they were both okay. Neither one was brilliant. Monte Morris, once again, did not turn the ball over. He never does. And, you know, by all accounts, had an okay nine-cat roto line. Two threes, four boards, three assists, two steals, eight points, made his free throws, missed his shots. Campazzo similarly missed his shots, had six assists, three boards, a three, a steal, and a block. And, uh, you know, as long as Gary Harris, Jermichael Green, and Paul Millsap are all out, you can probably roll both of those guys into your lineup because they both saw more than enough minutes to make it relevant. And finally, the Washington Wizards, a little gassed, I think, at the end of their road trip here, came in on the after the overtime win over the Lakers and just didn't really have much left in the tank. They actually have one more game on the roadie up in Denver tomorrow, and who knows what goes on with that one. They actually beat the, the Nuggets at their place a week ago. That was the uh, third win in a row in their run of five consecutive victories prior to the loss to the Clippers yesterday. I got a whole bunch of questions about Mo Wagner after he exploded for 21-7-5 in this ballgame, and you guys know the answer already. He might have one or two good games in a row. He might even have a week of good games, but then all of a sudden they're going to be like, nope, we're going to run Robin Lopez tonight. Or, you know, what if Davis Bertans finds himself open with, some available shots. And by the way, I'm still holding on Davis. I know that this has been a very up and down and weird year for him. He's not finding himself avant. Teams are, are guarding him in a better way. He needs to make teams pay by actually driving it a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, got to give a little credit to Russell Westbrook. 29 and 10 continues to just to miss his free throws about as badly as anybody could. And, and you know, for that reason, he's having some issues getting onto any kind of leaderboards. But he has been better lately, last three or four games. He has been better. Signs of life, if still not good. And then even Bradley Beal, he didn't even break. He didn't even break thirty. <laughs> so no, I'm not jumping on the Mo Wagner thing. He's great for this five game week. Uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both had big ball games. Ivica Zubats got up and over. His 21 minutes, so he did more than a zoo, 12 and 12 with two blocks. And you guys know the story with Zubats at this point as well, so I don't feel like I'm repeating myself. If he gets 21 minutes, he's rosterable. Anything over that, gravy. Anything under that, hurts you. This is a gravy game. Not interested in Reggie Jackson or Terrence Mann. There was no Lou Williams in this ballgame. Patrick Beverly looked out of sorts. By the way, you can drop Pat Beverly. I, I have so much trouble quitting that dude because of his off-position stats. But as the Clippers get right, the opportunity just sort of isn't there. Although, Also, by the way, I'm seeing Nick Batum getting dropped in some places, and he's been way too good this year. You have to assume that his minutes have been a bit depressed because of the concussion stuff, that they're working him back in. Uh, but he was he was far too useful to that team to just throw him away. I think you got to bench him if you have that option. Let me tell you guys a little bit more about expressvpn.com slash hoopball, our specialty URL. Please don't tune me out on this because this is a, a, a partner that we really want to get continued. Uh, and I got, a, I got confirmation on one of the things that we were looking into earlier this week, which is What's the status of things like MLB TV and NBA League Pass? And the answer is, with a VPN, they don't know where you are. Which, by the way, look, I, I'm not going to get into the merits or, or the lack thereof of idiotic blackouts. Like, I 
for instance, use me as an example, and I've I don't have MLB TV, so this is an example that doesn't actually. This is a hypothetical, is what I'm saying. It, let's say I did have MLB TV. I get it. This is a basketball podcast. I do have NBA TV, and I never leave my home because it's a pandemic. Um, so it hasn't really been a problem. I can just watch Laker games if I wanted to here in town. But here's an example of when this would have been really useful for me. I worked in Bakersfield for about six or seven years. You guys know this. I worked for a minor league baseball team up there. I did their play-by-play and other uh, what-have-you as an assistant GM. And I grew up a Dodger fan. I like watching I like watching Dodgers because it sort of relaxes me. It was baseball that I wasn't working. When you work in baseball, you tend to ignore other baseball because it feels like work. I wanted to, let's say we like we had day games sometimes in the minors, and I wanted to sit back and, and maybe watch a, uh, a Dodger game in the evening. I'm at the ballpark. We don't have TV. We have, I don't know, I think they had satellite at the ballpark, so they didn't get local baseball games. They got... The, the national stuff. Here in Los Angeles, where I also had an apartment, we were paying for Spectrum, that's the local cable company, that had Dodger games. So it's not like I was trying to thieve something. I was literally paying for it, but I couldn't watch it because Bakersfield is part of the LA marketplace. So I couldn't, if I had had MLB TV, I wouldn't have been able to watch the Dodger game at the ballpark, even though I was actually paying for the channel at my home in Los Angeles. That seems dumb, right? I'm paying for it, but I can't see it because I'm 100 miles from my house. What? If you're paying for it, you should get it. So, hypothetically, let's say I had ExpressVPN six years ago. You can turn that on, and you can shield what city you're in. And I could have told the internet looking at me, I'm in... I don't know, Tallahassee, and I want to watch a Dodger game, and it would have been fine. All of this very long explanation to say, if you are an NBA TV user, and you're, say, uh, inside a market for a team that you want to watch on your NBA TV, but maybe you don't get them on television, you're good. You're good. You can use ExpressVPN and you can watch your favorite team. It also, by the way, blocks big tech from checking out what you're looking at so you don't get all these targeted ads every time you search for lemon juice or whatever. Uh, It's fantastic. It's a wonderful service. And the fact that it works with these types of streaming things just is the uh, cherry on top. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is our specialty URL. Get 15 months for the price of 12 on your sign-up. ExpressVPN.com dot com slash hoopball there is no special code to enter but there is a specialty url you have to go to express v victor p as in paul n as in nancy dot com slash hoopball well my goal of trying to finish up in 35 minutes is not going to happen but here's our wednesday night preview and we'll move through it at a decent clip here because my new goal is 40 minutes golden state is at indiana pacers haven't played in forever the Warriors played last night in New York. There's a very large rest differential in this ballgame. Not a whole lot of fantasy stuff to really keep tabs on. I had someone on Twitter mentioned to me that they were like, isn't James Wiseman someone you're watching? No, he's not. I don't think that there's any chance uh, anybody new emerges in Golden State here over the uh, near future. With Indiana, I think you're just we're hoping for injury updates. But in terms of who's actually playing, 
we know. Houston, uh, we got a report that Christian Wood is hoping to play before the All-Star break, so that would be really nice and may partially explain why they were comfortable punting on Boogie as early as they were. In the meantime, P.J. Tucker and uh, Justin Patton are soaking up center minutes for this team, which has opened up a host of power forward and wing minutes for Jay Sean Tate, Daniel House, and David Nwaba, and you can probably stream all three of those guys, provided that Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood are both out, which I believe they are for tonight already. Cleveland on the other side, uh, frankly, just they just need their injured guys back. Nothing of substantial note there. Boston, no Kemba Walker, so we've already talked about the Celtics a little bit. You're going to see more big men stuff going on. Maybe more Peyton Pritchard or Jeff Teague, but not enough for me to care. Atlanta, John Collins is officially questionable, so good news. Maybe he avoided a concussion we shall see. Stay tuned for information on that one. This is actually the third time these teams have played in the last, I think, eight days. I might be getting that number off by one or two days. Boston's favored by two on the betting side. Uh, very weird to play a same team this often in a row. They split the first two. First game, I think, was 236, then 230. Total of this one set at 224. That's probably about accurate. Although, I guess it depends on whether or not John Collins plays. Who soaks up his minutes, and does it matter? Because it doesn't sound like it's a super long-term thing. Like, the bell ringing may not have been quite so bad. Spurs are back, ladies and gentlemen. Most, some, some of them are back. LaMarcus Aldridge makes his return from a hip injury. The team makes their return from a COVID breakout, which, yikes. Uh, still no Keldon Johnson, no Rudy Gay, uh, no Derek White among the guys that actually played pretty significant minutes. DeMar DeRozan is out for personal reasons. So the Spurs are down uh, quite a bit. I think they have nine or ten healthy bodies and probably only about six or seven of those that they really want to play very much. So you might get some interesting streaming stuff. Question that has emerged a little bit, should I still start Jakob Pertl even with LaMarcus Aldridge back? I'm going to say yes because they don't have any power forwards left. So Aldridge is probably going to have to play power forward and chase around like a Darius Baisley on the other side. So good luck with that. He'll give him the three-pointer, I guess. Uh, but I do think Pirtle still plays here. Uh, you know, the Spurs are going to have no choice but to kind of go a little bit big, at least power forward and center. And then a lot of DeJounte Murray. You're going to see, I would assume, a lot of Patty Mills and Lonnie Walker the fourth. And of those guys... Hurdle, maybe Mills of the sort of more fringy players are the ones that I might consider for streaming. Purtle, yes. Mills, eh. Oklahoma City, I'm continuing to track Theo Maladone. Uh, the usage has been kind of low. He did get five assists in the last ballgame, so that was good. But keep track on that. I, I still think he can get up and over the hump. There's no guarantee there, and he certainly has the best stats to do it compared to some of his teammates, but there is a very real chance that that team ends up with just Shea and Horford as useful fantasy players at the end of the year. Minnesota in Chicago. I have no idea how the Bulls are only favored by four in this game. Zach Levine, a first-time All-Star and a well-deserved one. There's nothing specifically I'm eyeballing, like changes I'm going to make on the fly. I want to see if Thad Young's minutes can get back into the mid-20s at least. He's been low-20s the last few Wendell Carter Jr.'s looked really good. No uh, no updates on Larry Markinen. I'm hoping that we're not too far out on something going on there. Garrett Temple's been playing relatively well, but I still can't bring myself to trust it long term. And then with Minnesota, 
you know, you're, I think you're just watching to make sure Anthony Edwards can sort of get his shot back on track. And when it does, then you dump him back into your lineup. Detroit catching a bunch of points. They're in New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. This is the second half of a back-to-back for the Pistons. The Pels haven't played in a couple of days. Josh Hart's been rolling on the Pistons' side. Sadiq Bey's looked pretty good. You just wonder if this is something that can really last or if at some point he will run out of gas on that side. Point guard timeshare for the Pistons. That's something to monitor as well. Toronto in Miami. We've seen Duncan Robinson start to play a little bit better. Kendrick Nunn's been kicking butt, but it does feel like Goran Dragic could upset the apple cart there. Charlotte, uh, still no Devontae Graham. Sounds like Gordon Hayward is probable. Cody Zeller, I think, is a guy you're monitoring to see if he's sort of running out of fuel as well. Phoenix, nothing really. Lakers and Jazz? Oh, this oh boy, this could this one could get ugly. On the Lakers side, I've been talking about Marcus Gasol a lot, so we'll keep an eye on that and Kyle Kuzma as they try to figure out what to do with no Anthony Davis. Folks, thanks again. I managed to do the preview in five minutes. Good for me. Tomorrow is Thursday. Friday comes after. It's an old joke. Um And then uh next week we uh we get into the first half of the All Star break. So next week, I think Monday. We'll do an injury player preview show. Eh, well, hmm. Because we usually do reverse chronological lightning round. Dan, you should make up your mind on this stuff before you hit the record button. Whoopsies. Whatever. I'll keep you guys posted. Head on over to Twitter, by the way. The NBA releasing the second half of the schedule at noon Pacific time today. Wednesday. I'm Dan Bespers. At Dan Bespers on Twitter. As I said yesterday, if you have a big idea... That's the recruiting pitch this week. Hit me up on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Check out mybookie.ag. Open up an account. Manscaped.com. Get something with our promo code. That's hoopball20. The promo code at mybookie is just hoopball. And, of course, the most important thing today, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Protect yourself. And then, you know, use League Pass, wherever the hell you want. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. See you along. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.